0: Hey, Macca. Macca, don't do it to me again.
1: G'day, Streetie. Oh, I'm back.
0: You're here. Yeah. I'm back tonight. Well, it's about bloody time. We missed
1: you.
0: <laughs> well, I missed you.
1: <laughs> Pretty lonely out there on the uh, on the road of podcasts on your own, isn't it, mate? That's correct. Yeah. So now I'm back tonight. I did miss a little bit of the Super Bowl party uh, on Monday. But uh, certainly back here for a full episode of number six for number sports six, and
0: spit. Yep. So Monday we threw together a sneaky Super Bowl edition, which was episode five. We did. And uh, we um, took along our voice recorder to the Super Bowl party down at Foghorn, um, the uh, sports bar slash burry in, in town, Absolutely. downtown Newcastle. And the place was pretty packed.
1: It was, yeah. It was a crazy day. I think um, I was quite surprised at how many people don't have jobs to go to. They can turn up to a sporting event at 10 o'clock in the morning in Newcastle. Obviously, the Super Bowl is probably one of the biggest sporting events of the year, but I was quite surprised at the number of people who were there. They were having a good time.
0: That's right. and I'm pretty sure um, the large majority of them weren't sports podca- podcasters like us. No. No, unfortunately,
1: we were the well-behaved participants in the crowd um, trying to uh, maintain some level of professionalism, which is quite surprising for you and I.
0: That's correct. <laughs> and... Not... Um, Given uh, talk in the crowd, there were definitely some loose characters there, and probably yeah. the two loosest blokes there that we came across were actually American lads. Yeah. Who were from Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, so I actually just listened to the audio back of uh, those two boys celebrating the Philadelphia Eagles taking away the victory in the Super Bowl. Uh, they, t- they sounded quite happy. They nice, sounded definitely. like a couple of uh, Cronulla Sharks fans a couple of years ago. That's probably why you identified so closely with them, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I guess in in many ways, it probably would have been a little bit bittersweet for those fellas, um, being so far away from the action, but having the opportunity to to go to Foghorn and, and, you know, be basically an American for a day um, would have been good for them. And, you know, they pretty... Lively young young lads. One of them put his shirt off in the end. They're walking around without his shirt. In the oh, he just went shirtless. Yeah, he took his popcorn. shirt off in celebration. Oh so well, yeah.
1: well, your team. Well, their team has never won a Super Bowl, so that was the Philadelphia Eagles' first victory ever in a Super Bowl
0: in 60 and years.
1: I don't know if there's a better reason for taking your shirt off in a licensed venue than your footy team winning. Basically, the grand final, obviously, or the grand final for them as well. Yeah, well, I, um, I
0: definitely... I kept my shirt on when Cruller won the uh, grand final, but I did shed the odd tear. <laughs> oh, but I, I, I the, have taken Shed my, the
1: odd <laughs> tear? You cried like a baby girl. I
0: have taken <laughs> off my jersey in disgust more than once.
1: You so. have. You, you've thrown that thing on the floor. I You, you took off your shirt long enough to get a sweet shark's tattoo on the underarm of... Your, uh, just there, I can see. <laughs> so... Uh, I think you passionate fan as a, a Cronulla Sharks man is the way to describe you, mate. But uh, but it probably was,
0: just as passionate as these Philadelphia fellas.
1: Yeah, so it was great to see. Uh, I one of the things around American football is Australians and often people that I speak to that aren't necessarily fans of American football um, here in Australia will say that they find the game a little boring because of its stop-start nature and and they find it hard to follow. Mm. Uh, I guess what I would encourage those people to do is go and and watch the the game at a licensed venue like that. Uh, I think that's the way American football is meant to be enjoyed. Absolutely. With beers and hot dogs and cheeseburgers and um, enough distractions like kicking competitions and things like that. But those stoppages just become nothing.
0: That's right. If you come off a night shift and you're uh, uh, NFL fan you happen to catch it at 10 o'clock on a Monday morning on mm. Channel 7 yeah. and you're the only one watching it, by all means, it'd be pretty boring. Oh, um, yeah. But it, it, it's a little bit like, uh, you know when you watch Americans eat Vegemite
1: and yeah. it, and they smear it on so thick and it, and you think, nobody eats it like that. And no. no wonder you don't like it. Like Nobody in the world eats it like that. Well, maybe Americans sit back and say, nobody in the world watches like Football on their own, mm. so you got to go and get shit faced and eat horrible foods.
0: And if you've ever been, if you've been fortunate enough to be in the states and go to a live game, yeah. and, and to take that another step, if you've that's had to, true. If you've been fortunate enough to actually tailgate mm. at, a, at a game, the, yeah. the whole experience becomes
1: it does really really good. I suspect maybe that's where tailgating found its uh found its roots was basically in the fact that they didn't think they were drunk enough when they got to the game to enjoy the first quarter. So yep. They thought, well, how can we make this a bit more exciting? Let's just open up the boot and get drunk before we get there.
0: Yeah, I mean, my my two target experiences were from 2004 on, a, on yeah. a trip to the states, and one of them was in uh, in the middle of America, in Iowa. Oh wow! And it was the Iowa State Cyclones versus the Texas A and M Aggies oh, now, college I game. Can't re- can't really remember too much of the game. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Iowa State Iowa State won, but yeah. the best part of it was the tailgate we set up, we had a, a deep fire and beers and we were out at 11 o'clock and the game wasn't until 3, so mm. we, were, we were toasted with 40,000 other <laughs> college students yeah. uh, going into this stadium. And then the next game was down in Miami uh, with a good uh, friend of mine. He's a Clemson fan. Okay. Who, who Those guys have had a lot of recent success in college football. Yep. Uh, Clemson weren't that good back then. However, yep. we went to the um, University of Miami Stadium to watch okay. the Hurricanes and, and Clemson. And that, at a stadium with about eighty thousand, and we yeah. tailgated there. Okay. For a night game. Um, oh, a night So time. we got there in the afternoon and did a twilight tailgate. Yep. And once again, we ended up pretty toasted in the game, and <laughs> it was uh, a balmy, balmy, sweaty Miami night. It was it was oh, a lot of fun.
1: It's pretty humid down there in Miami, and uh, and the, and Miami itself, like, there's a there's a pretty long and storied history of the Miami Hurricanes football program, and yeah. So that would have been quite a well attended game, I imagine. Yeah. Like, but. Uh, Tailgating, we, I think we said it in an earlier episode, it's something that I think Australians should very much consider. Um, we should probably do more of it. So yeah. I think we, we probably should look into it because I think our, our sporting experience is the poorer for not having tailgating as right. part of it. So, so Switchy, Australia, what did you see in the Super Bowl, mate, that impressed you?
0: I was really impressed with the scoreline. There was a lot of scoring. Um, yeah. I think for Australians who maybe aren't, sort of down pat with the full um, technical and technical aspects of the game sure um, seeing you know a score line in the sort of you know low 40s high 30s mm. makes for some good watching it um, does.
1: and that's not typical of a Super Bowl I mean that game was quite high scoring for Super Bowls they're not necessarily like you know five to seven or something along those lines but to like well Tom Brady had uh, you know the greatest of all time quarterback had a record uh, game in terms of how many passing yards he, he accumulated, and um, unfortunately couldn't get himself a touchdown or drop the catch that he that they say may have lost in the game. But you know there was a lot of offense being played in that game. There's a lot of scoring, and Definitely. it was quite exciting, wasn't it?
0: And the key pivotal play came down to a defensive play, and it did. Uh, one of the final drives Brady was looking to pass down <clears throat> downfield on a yep. on a big yardage play. Yep, and uh, I've I've coined it the new uh, new Philadelphia sports term is the hand of God. Oh. So wh- whoever the, the guy was it that knocked the ball out of Brady's hand yep. I think will be immortalised. Um, probably in a statue and it may be up there with Rocky folklore.
1: He may too. I, I can t- he probably won't have to buy a beer in Philadelphia ever yeah. again. They haven't right? had a lot of
0: success in Philadelphia in their sports. No. But maybe they might become a title town soon with the Super Bowl and with the Sixers on the rise, you never know what's going to happen.
1: Potentially. Who knows? You, you look, it was a great win for them and, and certainly a really good spectacle. Um, and as a sports fan, you know, it's always great for those iconic moments to happen. And uh, we really enjoyed it. It was a great time. We are hoping to get back to Foghorn, obviously, later on in the year and maybe host a few events there ourselves um, maybe around the NBA Finals, something along those lines. We'll, we'll see what we can set up. Um, but certainly sharing sports with other people is uh, basically really what we love and what makes it so much better, isn't it? So. Absolutely.
0: It was a great event and uh, Foghorn have done a very good job uh, mm. with that and we look forward to not only Super Bowl or NFL related stuff. And they did say the owner, Sean, in, in our um, episode five, Said he had some good things planned for the NRL season coming up. Yeah, he great. himself is a big Knights fan, um, and yeah. he, he has some uh, some plans to bring more people in. One thing that really impresses me that I look forward to um, in a Super Bowl, not just the halftime entertainment, is I love to see what happens in the city that actually wins the game. Yeah. So the the Philadelphia the celebrations. fans, the celebrations probably you know the news clips of cars being pushed over, and um, in this case, the fans were. Um, climbing the the towers at the front of the Ritz-Carlton in Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, so they collapsed the awning. There was some really intense footage of the way that the Philadelphia Eagles fans celebrated that victory. Yeah. And it's pretty typical of a Super Bowl victory, as you say, Streetie. Uh, It's a wild night in those cities when those teams win, right? That's right. It's it's pretty crazy. I mean, they don't hold back those fans. They absolutely go nuts. And... uh, and the Philadelphia Eagles fans certainly made that one count.
0: And you generally couldn't get away with it in Australia. The fun police would be onto it um, quick smart. We'd have barriers everywhere and, you know, yeah. can't go here, can't go there signs. But well,
1: you went to you went to the celebrations. So I, I've never actually been to a, the celebrations of a football team winning a grand final. I mean, I know um, some of them have been a little bit out of hand, but the Sharks celebration, how, how did that compare to the scenes that you saw in Philadelphia? It doesn't even compare, does it?
0: No, nah, well, we went to the back to the club, um, down in in Cronulla, and yeah. couldn't get in because there was five thousand people in the licensed club. So, okay. well, I think there was
1: five thousand people on that awning in Philadelphia.
0: <laughs> about yeah, and probably another five thousand people just converged on the on Shark Park, and okay. I think we were still there drinking beers until about two or three a.m. when the the team rocked up. And that
1: was probably slightly less people than actually attended the Cronulla riots ten years before. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, some, some scenes um, erupted in downtown Newcastle uh, yesterday that were very reminiscent to what we saw happen in Philadelphia. Yes. When word, it was wild here, too. When word got out that the Newcastle Knights uh, beat the Melbourne Storm in a closed trial down in Melbourne.
1: <laughs> on, a, on a random Tuesday on in a February. On a random
0: Tuesday, yeah. All, <laughs> all the unemployed folk of um, uh, downtown Newcastle who are Knights fans... Derby Street was yep. well out of control. Yep, they, yeah, they went to town and, you know, if, if premierships were won in February, yeah. then the Knights... This is hang a flag now, up for
1: that. Listeners, this is an unconfirmed report. And as we said once before, factual accuracy will not get in the way of what you hear on Sports & Spit. But there is rumours going around that Andrew Johns celebrated this like it was the 97 Grand Final. And we he was seen riding down King Street. On a Razor uh, scooter. On a Razor scooter. Uh, and... Matt Johns was also quoted in the paper after their trial victory as saying this is way better than Lego as well. So um, it was a big, big day on Tuesday for Newcastle Knights fans. They haven't seen much success over the last couple of years. Well, I mean, um,
0: if they beat the Premiers, therefore they're better than the Premiers, so they should be favourites to win the competition. So
1: by default, the Newcastle Knights are the Premiers. So, well, well done, Knights fans. We
0: might have to change our preseason uh, predictions based on that current yeah. form from the Knights. Well,
1: let's just very quickly mention that I actually correctly predicted the, the Super Bowl victory for the Philadelphia Eagles. You didn't. Well, yeah, true. So, uh, I'll just take one back there for your um, boasting about the uh, winners of the Australian Open and you predicting those guys. Um, Super Bowl victory won to Macca. So uh, I'm very happy about that. But anyway, congratulations to the Newcastle Knights. Um, We're very happy for you and your fans. Um, We hope that 10 of you turn up to a game uh, this year. That would be great to see.
0: And for all the uh, casual NFL fans, you can forget about it for another 12 months and become a fan again when the Super Bowl is on.
1: Yeah, so all um, all the boys with sleeve tattoos and things like that or or, um, now wearing NBA singlets everywhere, um, you probably want to get yourself on NFL as well and start to understand the game. So um, so it was great. It was a really good day. And obviously you heard the, the jubilation from the Philadelphia fans. But that's not all that's happening in Sports treaty is it, mate? We've got a, a pretty big event coming up that's um, starting tomorrow. We've
0: got the Winter Olympics yeah. in Pyeongchang in South Korea. Yeah, the Olympics. Olympics, Olympics, Olympics. Yeah, we're pretty fired up for the uh, Pyeongchang Olympics. Yes. Yeah, the um, plenty of events that we... No, nothing about some uh, (laughs) exquisite winter fashions. I'm expecting some uh, pretty big things from Eastern European countries on the fashion front.
1: Yes, definitely. So uh, we were mentioning to each other earlier when we discussed the Winter Olympics coming up tomorrow that actually I enjoy the Winter Olympics opening ceremony more than I do the Summer Olympic opening ceremony, mainly because of the fashions in the field. Uh, Those women that... Oh, sorry, not the women, sorry, the athletes that wear, um, like the uniforms that, that, that the teams wear at the Winter Olympic opening ceremony well above anything you'll see at the Summer Olympics. They are crazy. It's like a it's like a really bizarre fashion parade all the way around a stadium.
0: I actually think that probably a lot of inspiration for what we're going to see in, in, in this upcoming Olympics yes. could have been um, drawn from Zoolander.
1: Ah yes, po- quite possibly, very much so. Yeah, definitely. I think there was, that was that very influential, very influential. Yep, Derek and his and his model friends may be the designers of every country's so
0: uniform. I'm uh, I'm putting a prediction out there that uh, glitter, yes, and uh, metallic um, color palettes are going to be. Well, you know you've got staples of of the uniforms. Puffer vests. Everyone's got those
1: kind of, because <clears throat> yeah, it's quite cold, obviously, because it's the winter Olympics. Um, Puffer vests, you're going to have um, scarves. Knitted stuff always looks great. And I do think glitter will play a very big part. I think you're right. Yeah. Do so, you think
0: some countries may adopt that uh, Christmas knitted jumper sort of look? Oh, the, like the ugly sweater type of Yeah, scenario? yeah. Yeah,
1: I think so. Well, I think you'd be mad not to. I mean, that's popular culture now. I and think
0: Australia would be best served by doing something like that.
1: Okay, so if you were designing Australia's Winter Olympic ugly sweater, what would you put on it? What's our best winter animal
0: oh we don't have arctic foxes or polar bears no we don't what about an albino kangaroo riding a surfboard on yeah, a no, that's pretty good
1: yeah? yeah that'd be pretty good actually yeah. in green in Australian green and gold that's right I like that yeah
0: that's pretty good actually an, alb- an
1: albino kangaroo riding does a does our surfboard. winter
0: olympic team have a mascot or a nickname
1: oh, oh that's a good point actually I'm not sure maybe we should go to google and try and find out um,
0: but if not I, I think the albino ruse is um, the is albino the you know.
1: ruse ok yeah Because of the link to the snow and... Well, I don't don't think there's a
0: thing... I don't don't think there's a snow kangaroo, but there's definitely albino roos. I've seen them at the the zoo.
1: No, that's... Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, okay.
0: So, the albino roos, we're rooting for you.
1: Okay, let's go the albino roos. Listen, let's not go to Google. Let's just basically say... That for the period of the Winter Olympics, we are going to refer to the Australian team the as the ruse. Albino Ruse. So let's go, Ruse. We are and behind if, you.
0: If we have any graphic designers uh, who are listeners, we'd love for you to dolly up a logo free of charge. Yep. And um, you can hit us at sportsandspit at gmail.com. Yeah. And we're happy to display that <laughs> that
1: on our Facebook pages. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, if it's good enough, we'll see if we can make up some shirts as well, get behind the Albino Ruse. Now, talking about the Albino Ruse, uh, the Australian Winter Olympic team. How many athletes are we sending, Streedy, and have we got any medal chances? Because we're not renowned for success at at these games, but we've had a few. There's obviously the most well-known was probably Stephen Bradbury. Yep. Um, But what about this time around in Pyeongchang? Who have we got?
0: Well, this time for this Olympics, we're sending 51 athletes. Okay. I don't know whether that's a record or not, but...
1: um... It doesn't seem like many, but I mean... Well, yeah. Well, I'm not familiar with whether or not that's a lot or not very much. So
0: we've got some um, some pretty big names here. We're looking at the Australian Olympic team's website. Household names such as Cam Bolton and Britt Cox. Yeah. Um, Alex Furlazzo. Yeah. Who looks like a lugeist. Luge. There's a sport. You... How do you Grimace? get into luge? Yeah.
1: Okay, Jared Hughes is on there. He's pretty big in a country town in victoria i would say bell brockhoff yeah
0: so there's some names to keep an eye out for um, it, one guy who it will become a household name is our flag bearer yeah so who's he macker
1: uh so he is the olympic um now i just uh, is it is is that our our man i think he was named today Scotty James. Scotty
0: James, that's him. The reigning
1: half-pipe world champion Scotty James. Now, oh, so if so if you it, couldn't
0: tell, I had to read that. So that would mean he definitely would be up there for a, a medal chance if he's the world champ, in theory?
1: Yes, well, obviously, so as the reigning half-pipe world champion, he would be a pretty good medal chance. Uh, so uh, he's competing in his third Olympics. Um, so On well,
0: the news, he looked a bit like he was 15.
1: Well, he's 23.
0: Th- hold on. Third Olympics at 23. Yeah, so what would that He went at 15 or something.
1: Yeah, so apparently he competed when he was 15. Wow. So so he competed in Vancouver when he was 15. So now think back to what you were doing. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about turning 40 and what people were doing at 40. Yeah. Well, I was nowhere near an Olympics at 15. No. So Scotty James probably deserves to be... When I was 15, it it would
0: have been 1994. So I would have been watching the Lilyhammer... Yeah. Games and okay. would have been watching Australia collect their first ever Winter Olympic medal.
1: Yes, that's right. So, the uh, as we said earlier, the most well-known Australian medalist probably is Stephen Bradbury because of the way he won his gold medal, and he was the first Olympian, uh, Winter Olympian to win a gold medal for Australia. But not many people know that Bradbury also holds a bronze medal, which is the one that you just referenced, yep. from the short track speed skating relay team. And that was won in 1994 at the Lillehammer Winter Olympics, wasn't it?
0: That's right.
1: So you don't. It's it's funny because people remember Stephen as the as the guy who basically fell ass backwards into a gold medal. Um, which, uh, to be honest, I'd fall anyway into a gold medal if you were going to give me one. I couldn't care less if everybody else fell down. I'd
0: buy a gold medal from an op shop yeah, if I, I mean, found you,
1: one. Yeah, you probably would actually. Yeah. Like, uh, and. Uh, you know, I, although we didn't condone it a couple of weeks ago, I might even drug cheat my way to a gold medal if I thought i had a chance. So, you know, I'd, there's no question for me about whether Stephen Bradbury deserves his Olympic medal. It was hung around his neck, so he deserves it. Um, and he crossed the line first. But Stephen, not many people know, as I said, that he's also an Olympic, Winter Olympic bronze medalist, which is, is quite a nice little piece of trivia there um, for those listeners who are interested in that type of thing.
0: Yeah, so if Scotty James, our flag bearer, can do well in the half pipe and come over for gold, he would be joining a very select club of Australian Winter Olympic gold medalists.
1: Yeah, so uh, Lydia Lassler, yep. she has a gold medal. She was an aerial ski jumper. She, and she still is. She'll be competing um, at this Games as well.
0: She's uh, been around for quite a while, um, mm. Lydia.
1: She has. So um, she's now 35 years old. Um, but she took some time out to start a family and focus on uh, other parts of her career. But she's back and she's a good medal chance for us. Um, Now, at 35 years old, it will be difficult for her um, because I'm sure, um, you know, there's been a lot of jumping and a lot of development in the sport as well, but um, I'm sure she'll certainly give it her all and see how she goes. What about the other Winter Olympic gold medalist for Australia, mate. Is there any kind of history that you've got there? You um, love a good I, list. So. What
0: about Alyssa Camplin?
1: Yeah, Alyssa. So she was also an aerial ski jumper. So or like you know the freestyle, uh, freestyle ski jumping.
0: It's probably been our most successful uh, Winter Olympic sport: the aerial freestyling and, and skiing sort of events. Yeah, well, we it also had to Jack- be. Jackie Cooper. Was that her name? Jackie she, Cooper. That is her She name. was a success. I'm, I'm not sure how she went in the medal front, but yeah. I do remember she suffered a pretty horrific knee injury. She did um, One Olympics, and I think the I think that Olympics uh, where she got injured, or in the lead up to, mm. that is the same Olympics that Alyssa Campbell won her medal. Now okay. correct me if I'm wrong, but I've got a feeling, without doing any fact checking, that uh, well they were that, rivals, that may, weren't may they? May have been the case, yeah.
1: Yeah, the those freestyle the freestyle skiing events have been big for us. It the Winter Olympics is obviously quite difficult, obviously because of our climate, but. Mm. Uh, Winter Olympic sports require quite a lot of infrastructure to train for, don't they? Like, you, well, you know, you don't. Australia doesn't have a lot of ski fields, and um, we certainly don't have a lot of loose tracks. We wouldn't have a hell of a lot of bobsled kind of facilities, I wouldn't imagine.
0: Yeah, I would say that probably ninety percent of our Olympic team are based overseas. Oh, they'd have to, whether be. it be Europe or New Zealand or yep. or the states, just purely for the fact that uh, bigger mountains. Yeah. better facilities and more options for training. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, there is one athlete who <clears throat> would have been in this team um, in the female luge who was uh, transitioning from the Summer Olympics, Yana Pittman.
1: Oh, yeah? Did Yana go out for the luge, did
0: she? she yeah, I, I think she was okay. uh, trying out, but the team um, didn't make it. Right, they they were ruled to be. uh, I think Yana
1: recently came out. uh, I read an article and around her struggle with eating disorders um, throughout her athletic track or track athletic career, um, which was quite a sad story for her. Like, uh, she she was one of those Australian athletes who um, was was quite well known in the media and, and actually had a lot of private events in her life play out in the media you know you sometimes you see those people that just for some reason yeah tend to attract the interest of the media a lot more she she had quite a lot of dramatic kind of events in her life that were played out by the media and, and she was obviously struggling with some eating disorders at the time as well so yeah yeah it's quite a bit of a sad story you think you often think that these athletes just enjoy these kind of uh you know um like privileged existences and you know, don't ever really struggle with things. And, yeah, it's quite interesting to hear those stories, especially afterwards, that they really do have similar problems to most of the rest of the population. So,
0: And I'd imagine uh, most of our um, Olympic uh, team from the um, Pyongyang, Pyeongchang um, Games um, probably, well, you, you would say with 100% certainly don't have the profile of, of other athletes in Australia. No. Um, and so they would rely on, um, you know, grants and sponsorship and you know things that would. Uh, probably do it a little bit tougher uh, yeah, than absolutely. than your average footballer or
1: oh, high profile
0: doubt. summer olympic athlete
1: oh, they'd have to be most of these guys the 51 strong contingent that sent, australia is sending would mostly be self-funded i mean there would be grants and things that may cover them but that those things might cover the cost of them participating in their sport but it wouldn't cover the cost of them making a mortgage repayment on their house yeah. or making a rent repayment. I mean, I'm sure that most of them actually struggle to make a living. Uh, the, the European circuits, I'm sure that they compete on in certain sports would be reasonably lucrative, um, but, you know, that's still a bit of a grind, I'm sure, for those people. And So
0: so we're going to do our best to uh, watch as much of these events as we can. Yeah. We um, well, what are you going to stay up for, Strudy? What are you going to watch? Well... If we just take a step back and reference um, the episode 4 where we spoke about uh, the movies, yep. um, I think it's fair to say we can retrospectively add Eddie the Eagle to mm. to the list of inspirational sports movies. And yeah. that, that had a bit of everything. Yeah. A bit of drama, a bit of a feel-good story based on true events. Yep. Um, but my favourite Winter Olympic event, and it always has been for, for the longest time, is the ski jumping.
1: Oh, yeah, okay.
0: Um, it's it's hard to define what is the actual feature or glamour event of the Winter Olympics. And we all know the 100-metre sprint is probably the, the, the premier Olympic event. Yep. Um, I would probably have to say for the Winter Olympics, your ski jump um, might yeah. be up there with uh, the most eagerly anticipated and watched event. So for me, definitely. I'll definitely make an effort to... Uh, watch that event even if okay. I don't know any single athlete uh, who's doing it Compete. I'll just admire the jumps and see how far they can get
1: oh you've got to admire what they do I, you know what I've always admired about the ski jumpers and I agree with you it's an amazing to watch what I've always thought is how do you do that for the first time or what goes through your head when you do that for the first time so obviously there would be a process of how you learn to be a ski jumper mm. right but but there's, for everyone who's who's going to compete at the Winter Olympics and everyone who's ever done it, there's always a first time that you sit up on that little ledge with a 120-metre drop before the, the ground gives away underneath you and you've got a pair of fibreglass skis strapped to your feet and that's it.
0: A lot of fear to overcome. Have you seen one of those jumping um, arenas in real life?
1: Yeah. Oh, no, I haven't actually. That's No, I haven't seen... I think I saw one in Calgary. Obviously, one that was a bit of a white elephant for them that had been used in like the, in the eighty-four or oh, eighty-six games or something along those lines. But it but it wasn't covered in snow, so I couldn't get context and depth yeah, of okay. perception or anything like that. I was in
0: Austria and I went to the site where they held the, I think it was the seventy-two Winter Olympic Games, seventy-two yeah. or seventy-six, one of the two. Yep. Um, in Innsbruck, and they had um, the big ski jump facility, and I, you know, went onto part of it, and mm. I just couldn't comprehend looking down, no, to what they jump off and what they had to land on. It was yeah, just mental. Yeah, absolutely. Jumping that, off a ten meter tower at the pool um, is oh, a uh, is a hard enough task. I, yeah, I just can't
1: imagine how. Like you know, I can see how you kick a football for the first time, you know, and you re- repeat that over and over again. But, you know, as a sport, what I often wonder is, I think, how did you ever how did you ever actually get into this, and how did you get good at it? Because I'm not sure I'd go back for a second time. I'm not sure you'd get me up there for the first time. Well, actually, I'm, I guarantee you wouldn't, but...
0: Eddie the Eagle set the British record of seventy one point five meters in that movie. <laughs> Was uh, that basically
1: that he just fell off the end and rolled seventy one meters? Well, he landed and and, yeah. and it counted.
0: And he, he set the British record, okay. but I mean the world record is something in the vicinity of oh, over 110, 120 okay. meters, something yeah. crazy like that.
1: So Eddie's not quite close to that, but no, no, mm. but he's
0: he's one he's one up on us.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, he certainly got it on me. So yeah, I think the ski jump would, would, would probably be up there as one of the blue riband events of of the Winter Olympics. Uh, for me, there's I love heaps of it. I, look, I'm an Olympic tragic, so I'll watch as much of it as I possibly can over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I love the speed skating. I, I like the short track and the long track speed skating. Um, I remember watching Johan the Boss Kos, um who was a well Johan Olaf Kos. Yeah, that's right. It was a well-known uh, Dutch speed skater who dated uh, one of our swimmers. who Sam Riley, that's right, yeah. And I remember um, being mesmerized by Johan describing the s- speed skate that he had designed called the clap skate. And I just remember, recall in my head, being mesmerized by his description of that speed skate and, and, and what it did for the athletes and how it transformed the sport. But it's really exciting, the speed skating. I really like it. Uh, I love watching Was it a clap
0: or a slap skate?
1: Uh, well, I don't know. Like maybe. Was it a clap? I think it was a clap skate. I'm pretty oh, sure. I, I thought it clap. was a clap. I don't know. That was oh, that was how I remember it anyway.
0: Either right way, if you, if you cop a slap or if you cop the clap. <laughs>
1: well, I reckon there might be a bit of the clap going around at the Olympic Village. I mean, that thing must be a party zone, I'd say.
0: Well, there, there were stories that got out of the Sydney Olympics that uh, Ansell, who were one of the sponsors of the Olympic Village, uh, at one point, ran out of condoms. <laughs> what are those
1: stories of um, I mean, I'm sure there's stories. It'd be like, a bit
0: harder in the uh, in the winter games. Like it's not yeah. as uh, you know, like you just, athletes are wearing is jackets.
1: That, and is that a pun? It would be a bit harder. Is it? Oh no, so uh, thick uh,
0: clothes is probably less. Um, Less, less perving going on
1: there. <laughs> oh, you think that'd uh, be hard to tell whether or not you'd be interested in somebody. you think, geez, there's a lot of puffy vests going on there. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll be, I'll be going... I, there, I'm sure there's some amazing stories of some parties that go on at the Olympic Village. I, did he, I remember reading one around the Sydney Olympic Village where I think it was a... I don't know whether it was... No, it wasn't an Australian shooter. It was like an American shooter, or like a guy who had competed early in the Games uh, and he... His time in the Olympic Village ran out, so they only have a, athletes only have a certain amount of time they're allowed to stay after their event, and his time had run out. Uh, so he packed a bag and instead of going and getting on the plane and going home, he just went around the Olympic Village and found an unlocked door to one of the the houses, <laughs> and then basically set this um, this house up that was in the Olympic Village uh, that had been empty for a while as a party. Like place for the rest of the the games, and just hosted all of these parties. And uh, I think uh, once he's uh, once he was found out by the organisers of the games, he was handed over to his you know to the um, the US Olympic authorities. And I'm not sure, I'm so sure they ever let him compete again. But geez, it sounded like he had a good two weeks in Sydney. I, I think uh, I, <laughs> I tell you, I'd, yeah, you would have loved to have been involved with it. it have been pretty good. So I would love to hear about it. So I'm sure. These guys are going to have a great time in Pyeongchang. We'll have a great time following them, um, but for me, the speed skating is probably what I would look forward to the most. I I, I do also look forward to uh, like the biathlon, the cross country skiers. Yep, those guys. That's,
0: that's something we don't really know a lot about.
1: No, nah, it's a, that event. It's a hard event for Australians to understand. It looks they tend to move in a bit of slow motion uh, there and we don't understand exactly what type of fitness and 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 physiological output it takes to be a cross country skier um, it's as a somebody who's who loves endurance sports like trail running and marathons and, and and those sort of things these guys are probably the fittest athletes in the world and the output that they have is like the equivalent of you know i mean i don't really know what it is physiologically but maybe let's say it's you know riding a bike up to the top of the Pyrenees and then being asked to step off and shoot a gun at a yeah. target, I don't know how many metres away, but it's, it's phenomenal, right? And so we don't necessarily understand exactly what they're achieving, but it's it's great when you do understand that to yeah. watch it. And and it's a really competitive kind of sport. It's massive. I mean, if you've got Fox Sports, you can turn on Eurosports at any stage and watch a bit of the cross-country skiers. But oh, yeah, it blows me away.
0: One thing that I think that uh, the Olympic... Um, movement, particularly in the in the winter uh, side of things, does really well. Is um, stick with the times, and yeah. I think events in the Winter Olympics probably have a better track record of being adopted or you know, replicating pop- popular culture. What's going on um, in 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 the real world? Definitely. Um, so. Uh, having said that, I think one guy that, who always sort of gets a fair bit of attention at, at, at this time of year with Winter Olympics is, is Sean White, the Flying yeah. Tomato. <laughs> and you can probably credit him in large part with, um, you know, for events such as snowboarding and all those related action sort of uh, sports. Definitely. Um, you're coming into the Olympic Games. And we've seen a little bit a little bit of it in the Summer Olympics with, say, BMX riding and stuff like that. Yeah. But you snowboard, the downhill, your half pipe. Those events that are sort of that were typically X Games events are now le- yeah. legitimate Winter Olympic sports, and you'd have to probably make the argument right up there with some of the more popular events. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think uh, you know the Olympic movement has probably struggled yeah, in the Summer Games to keep up with popular culture, but certainly it, it, the Winter Olympics, this is where it crosses over. I mean, the X Games uh, for for Winter Olympic athletes in things like snowboard half pipe and ski cross and snowboard cross and um, for them to be olympic events they adopted that really quickly and, mm. and athletes like sean white uh really have been a catalyst for that and it's it does make it quite exciting because you mm. know it increases its relevance and those sports are fast and you not violent but they you know if you have a stack
0: they're entertaining yeah absolutely
1: like i mean you know i mean let's be honest everyone loves a good stack on the snow like you you know you watch the giant slalom skiers and Part of you's thinking, just fall over, just fall over, because they're flying, and you know that they're not going to be able to stop for ages, and they're going to cannon into those fences. There's a little part of you that wants to see them go fast, but there's also a little part of you that wants to see them have a pretty good stack.
0: Yeah, I'm sure the uh, the highlight reads of the uh, the reels of the bloopers and the and the stacks yeah. probably are going to get a lot more views than, uh, than some of the events themselves. Yeah, definitely,
1: and I think uh, I think you're right, Streety. The uh, that that kind of uh, adrenaline and, and 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 kind of action sports has certainly uh made its way to the winter olympics and and certainly australia's got some good chances in those events because typically we're mad bastards who you know throw ourselves off anything that's yeah, popular yeah, we
0: and tend to do pretty
1: well at snowboarding and we do have a kind of a real hot migration spot in terms of everyone that lives in whistler as australian anyway so we probably it's probably one of the big breeding grounds for people to become a winter olympic athlete i guess pun intended
0: breeding grounds uh,
1: yeah oh, yeah <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be a bit of the clap getting passed around whistler, bit of a shout out too. to
0: all our friends out there who've done a winter
1: in whistler yeah if you've been there you know that probably you've got to watch out for the clap so
0: sure you've got a story clapskate. or two to tell
1: <laughs> yeah. so that's the winter olympics we're really looking forward to it uh you know we will try and keep you updated as much as we possibly can um and certainly hope that australia gets a couple of uh Couple of medals,
0: yeah, and some also must see TV. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Is the mixed Korean women's ice hockey side?
1: Yep, this is the North and South Korea mix.
0: That's right, yeah. Okay, so we'll be interested to see how they go in the tournament, yep. and um, fingers crossed they can get a, a win or an anti or even a goal.
1: Yeah, now these like surely the north the North Korean participants in that team. We said this, but they, you know, they've got to be pretty good chance to defect and not go home don't they
0: do you think we'll see like a scandal obviously we, you know there's a, always the opportunity for drug cheats and so forth and uh, that's almost come to be expected with any winter event definitely but uh, with, with the success of I Tonya and, and that movie sort of coming out at the time it did just pre uh, Winter Olympics mm. do you think there you know any any ice skating scandal some new rivalries coming out
1: I think so I don't think you'll see you know like a, <laughs> a scandal on the likes of I Tonya and Tonya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan I, one thing I will say about ice skating uh, is that I like to watch it, but I will come clean in saying I can't tell the difference between a triple axel and a double axel when somebody does it. So when we were watching that Itonia movie and, and everyone was kind of getting really excited about the fact that she'd performed a triple axel, mate, if you hadn't told me that she'd done a triple axel, I wouldn't have a clue. And it's like, like the ice skating for me is a little bit like watching the diving at the Summer Olympics. I don't necessarily know if you've done it well except for the fact that you didn't belly flop mm. um, and so if you don't fall on your ass in the ice skating I kind of go well well, good on you you, you, you should probably win but but I don't know I, I guess maybe it's kind of the same the diving the analogy would be that I guess I just kind of look at the nationality of the of the athlete and think oh, well you're probably a good chance to win it so if you're Chinese in the diving you'll probably win yeah. and if you're I don't know like yeah, you know, what, what nationality dominates the the Russian Russian yeah they do don't they yeah yeah.
0: so Mako, give me an over and under on Australia's gold medal um, ah. chances and overall medals
1: overall medals oh well it's going to be less than five <laughs> quite easily in terms of overall medals I think we might win three medals and I think uh, one of them will be gold big call yeah I think so
0: well yep. obviously I'd like to see as many gold as possible but I'm going to be a little bit more conservative and I'm going to say the under over on the total medals mm. is 2. Okay, yep. And uh, I'm going to say that unfortunately I don't think we'll come away with a gold. No I'd love gold. to be proven wrong, but yeah. I don't think we've got a Bradbury in us this time.
1: Well, you're a bit of a negative prick, aren't you? So, yeah, sorry. No, that's okay. That's fine. Anyway, let's go. The Someone's al- got to be the yin to the yang. No, that's true. Yeah, it would be a little bit a bit lame if we just agreed with each other. But the albino ruse. The albino ruse.
0: Let's yeah. go.
1: Yeah, the albino ruse, the albino ruse, whatever we want to call them. Let's go get them, guys. White
0: fur and pink eyes. Let's hit them hard. Yeah.
1: Pick up your glittery silver puffer jackets. Get out there for the opening ceremony tomorrow and give it hell. So, And then get back and find yourself an open house at the village and party like it's 1999. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, now for this next uh, segment, we're going to be talking some NBA basketball. Um, So if you despise basketball and hate the NBA, now is a good time to turn it off at 39 minutes and 42 seconds into our show.
1: Flick over to Serial or one of the other more popular So from here on
0: in, you've been warned because all we're going to talk about for the remainder of the show is the NBA and the impending NBA trade deadline. We've got a very interesting season occurring at the moment. And we've only got probably eight to nine hours before this trade deadline expires. Yeah. And for those of you uh, continuing to listen, basically in the NBA, you have a period in which you can trade and swap players. Mm. And there's a deadline to have all those deals done after that um, deadline is passed. Mm -hmm. Um, No more teams can transact players between between teams.
1: Yeah. So basically after, well, three o'clock American or New York time tomorrow and about what we estimate to be about 7 a.m. Australian time on Friday morning the NBA teams have to stick with their rosters uh, well sorry they. I think they can still sign players to like short term 10 day contracts um, but you cannot swap players so if you know yeah, after tomorrow that's basically it you've got, to, you've got to get set and you've got to get ready for making the playoffs or that, yeah, going exactly. home and playing for next year
0: so th- this time of year each and every season has always uh, been an opportunity for teams who are contending or pretending to reshape their rosters. Now, mm-hmm. those who, teams who contend obviously want to get better and add you know, a player or two that will strengthen their chances to either get to or do better in the playoffs. Or maybe look for that guy to get him over the edge to, to be able to win the championship. Yeah. And the other side of the coin is you've got teams who are in a total tanker-palooza yeah. uh, mode where their mindset is that, well, we're not going to win it, so let's be as bad as we can so we have the, bet- the opportunity to get the highest draft pick the following year. And, then, so
1: and there's also that element of wanting to dump a salary too, isn't there? So oh you yeah. want to kind of, like, uh, the, for those who don't know, the NBA has a salary cap, which basically, or um, well the function of the salary cap, okay, I won't go into all the details, but basically um, if you're over the salary cap, you pay a tax on how, for every dollar over the, the cap, you, you pay a tax on that. And so teams often try and dump salaries um, of players that aren't necessarily performing. Uh, and and trying to get that, that off the payroll so then they don't have to actually pay for them twice. Yeah, so
0: in large part, it's not only just about uh, players and winning, it's also about uh, not having to pay, to pay guys and, right. you know, maneuvering salaries. So players can often become secondary to their contract. That's right. And that contract can basically be dished around um, team to team, and if that you know uh, contracts that, the, that that is due to expire, yeah. become appealing, particularly for players who at the end of a a big deal, they might be getting paid twenty odd million well, that expires, and that comes off that team's cap. So a lot of players, teams want to trade for the rights of that contract. Yeah, they absorb that cap. Yep. it expires, and they just get rid of the player, or he he moves on. But that's been one of the stories of
1: of this year's NBA trade season has been around how restrictive some players' contracts have been to them moving to another team, right? So, yeah. So a couple of years ago, there was a, a massive financial boom for NBA players because a lot of guys signed really big contracts. So Obscenely the, big, like, like
0: un, un, unjustifiable contract for some yeah. players who definitely aren't deserving of the money they got.
1: Yeah, so there was a new TV deal, I think, and there was a lot of money going into the game and... That if you were a free agent in that season, then you cashed in, and and like Streety said, quite unjustifiably so, that you're talking about people that had no history of, of a significant performance getting contracts, you know, that for the value that you you know you would never expect. Yeah. Now that's starting to come back and bite teams this year. Because no one wants to take those salaries on for somebody who's not capable of performing.
0: That's right. You might have a bloke that's on eighteen million a year Mm. who's hardly playing, or in some cases, the team has actually dismissed players um, altogether and said, "Listen, don't. We're going to pay, but don't even bother turning up." So, you know, Lou Alding is one guy who was signed by the Lakers for eighteen million a year over four years, crazy contract. He hasn't been with the team for the last twelve months. So,
1: so as in he doesn't turn up
0: to training, no. he doesn't turn up to games? He's not they, on the active roster, he's not injured. They've just sort of, you know, he, he's on their books, but he's not part of the...
1: So he sits at home and collects $18 million yep. a year. I, see, oh, wow. I, I thought actually, I didn't I didn't realise he was actually sitting at home, I guess. I just thought maybe he was travelling with the team, coming to training, but they just weren't playing him. Like, yeah, no, he doesn't really it. have much to do with them at all. Oh, wow. Uh,
0: but his contract is still live, so... Um, I guess because the market is flooded with these bad contracts and teams aren't willing to take it on, his contract essentially becomes a dead weight mm. um, and they have to carry that. And that, that counts towards their salary cap. Yeah, definitely. And unless they can move that, they have to either you know, you know pay him out or they can do a thing called a stretch where they, you know, Take it off the books, but they pay the player over five to six years. Yep. And that money still counts towards the cap, but the the hit to the cap isn't as isn't as bad.
1: Yeah. So if say for example they owed him a million dollars in one year, they would stretch that out over five years. Yeah. And so they would only have to count two hundred and fifty thousand dollars.
0: Yeah. Basically. Or four, if
1: it, so, you did it over four years, you'd only have to count two hundred and fifty thousand dollars each yep. year against your cap. So. Yeah. So that's called the stretch provision, isn't it? So, so there's a
0: lot of anticipation as to what's going to happen at the trade deadline. Uh, we have a situation in the NBA at the moment where the Warriors, are by and far, the best team. Um, can you see anyone
1: beating them this year, even in this trade deadline? Like, uh, like, it, like. So when, when team, if if a team loads up with somebody, can anyone beat the Warriors anyway?
0: Funny, funny you should say that. In the last couple of days, the Warriors. Probably ha- have had a little bit of a a, a rough fortnight. Uh, they, they've lost some games where um, you know so the results to a few of them have been surprising. Um, There's a game yesterday where they played the Oklahoma City Thunder, yep. and you know many of us NBA fans will be aware that uh, the Warriors, one of their best players, Kevin Durant, he was an ex um, Thunder player mm. from OKC. And the story goes that he was due to be a free agent. His contract expired with the Thunder. The Warriors beat them in the playoffs after uh, the Thunder led the led 3-1. Sure. So they had that series in the bag. They choked it. Mm. And uh, Kevin Durant was knocked out by the Warriors. following season, Kevin Durant joins the Warriors. Mm. And then uh, Durant has this big beef with his ex-teammate Westbrook, who... Follows that season up with him getting an MVP and becoming the man, yeah. and it just so happens that twice this season um, the the Thunder have um, beaten up on the Warriors and won by twenty points in both games. Okay, so yeah, de- definitely, um, you know, the Warriors don't appear at, at this at this very moment in time to be the dominant force they have been in the last couple of years, mm. um, and uh, the Thunder sort of uh, after retooling their roster. Um uh, probably one to two pieces short' I've really been able to take him but you know to, uh, to so ta-
1: will the Thunder make a move in this trade deadline do you think or will they
0: probably one of their best perimeter defenders uh, is out for the season with uh, with a leg injury um, so who's that uh, that was Andre Robertson okay now that's not such a bad thing because he couldn't shoot okay. He could shoot a water pistol into a pool. He's hopeless. He's, right. he's, he's air foul shot. So he's, he's a liability on offense. Yeah. Um, but his uh, defensive sort of uh, abilities on floor are highly valued. So I definitely see the Thunder as, um, you know, as some uh, players. But, and they wouldn't just be, you know, trying to get anyone. Mm. Um, I would say that a guy they would be targeting is uh, a fellow who recently got traded, uh, Avery Bradley. Yep. I think uh, he's a he's a guy that fits their system pretty well. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he certainly uh, would strengthen that that lineup. And if you can imagine a defensive lineup with him and Paul George uh, on the floor together, yeah. And combine that with their their big fella, the Kiwi Stephen Adams, I'd li- I'd like to see that lineup. And I think they would give the Warriors a lot of headaches. And you know, I think the Thunder maybe uh, a one or two guys away from being able to beat them.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting to see if they do pick anybody up. I think uh, probably one of the things that interests me about the trade scenario for NBA teams is how you integrate that player that you get this late into the season. Because what are they, like 50 games... 50 games in, yeah. 50 games into an 82-game season. So you've got 30 games or so to find a rhythm with your new team and find a spot.
0: I think with basketball, you don't reinvent the wheel. And... These guys would know the playbooks of other teams and other coaches because they've played against them. Pretty well. I mean, all all due to the scouting reports. So you're going to know the system. You've played against them before, so it's just adapting um, to that particular team system. And obviously, the player has to be the right fit. You can't. Fit a, a square peg in a round hole, so to speak.
1: Well, we just we were um, whilst we're recording this podcast, we would we've got ESPN on, and we were just uh, earlier watching uh, a little bit of a discussion on Isaiah Thomas, Yep. which was one of which is one of the players' big big trade last year when he was traded from the Boston Celtics to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Kyrie Irving. So a similar situation that you described with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Where Kyrie Irving requested a trade from the Cleveland Cavaliers after losing um, he, in the final. F- he
0: wanted his divorce from LeBron. He thought he'd be better off elsewhere.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: So, and it's it's worked out for him so far. Yeah. Unfortunately for Isaiah Thomas, it hasn't necessarily worked out for him. And the Cavs have uh, they've been the story for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. They're, um, they're losing games they shouldn't. Getting getting belted. Their defense is horrible.
1: And now he's only Isaiah Thomas has only really come back and played in the last probably ten games or so, or the last couple of weeks. Now he doesn't seem like he's found a good fit. No. with Cleveland, does it? So, so that's kind of probably more what I'm talking about in the sense of you know if you're not the right player. Now I don't know whether Isaiah Thomas is the right player for the Cleveland Cavaliers, but it hasn't worked out very well for them.
0: No, no, they've been very poor, and uh, they are probably the team that are expected to. To be the most active, mm. but they're a bit of a crossroads too because they're obviously their best player, LeBron James, is non committal about his future. He's a free agent at the end of this year. Okay. And uh, team management aren't willing to, to deal away some of their assets and draft picks in a trade to bring another player in. In case he leaves. In case he leaves. Yeah. Uh, so they want to keep those as insurance for if he goes. Um, but. If they had the you know the, the the word from LeBron that hey yeah I'm going to stick around, yeah. then they'd be more willing to trade some people away, deal those draft picks and so forth, so they can give LeBron the guys that he wants on his squad in order to compete and, and win.
1: So, so do the Cavaliers make a trade tonight? Will they
0: make a trade? I think they will. Um, as to how big it is, in, uh, is it going to be as big as an Isaiah Thomas
1: being shifted or uh, like? He hasn't... He's played for you for two weeks or a month or something. Like, how do you know that he's not the right fit? I
0: think after 10 games, it's pretty evident that... You reckon? The defence is pretty bad. He's he's coming off an injury. You know, it's not entirely his fault. Um, but the nature of the business is that you got to win. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of talk over, you know, some people think LeBron's checked out, whether he's going to leave. he's You know, he's, he's gone already. Can you uh, see him playing for another team, though? Like,
1: when he went to Miami... Uh, obviously he was playing he wanted to play with his mates I guess like in Dwayne Wade and you know I don't know Chris Bosh and him don't seem to get along now but you know does he is he going to leave is he likely that he
0: leaves yesterday I would have said that, yeah, it's it's probably more of a chance that he leaves than, than what he stays. Okay. Uh, they had a game today and they um, they won in overtime off, off a LeBron game winner. I won some money on um, that game. So it was the first time in a long time that I've seen all the Cavaliers smile.
1: Yeah. Okay. And you
0: know maybe all it takes is is one win or one shot like that to get them back on track and mm. and things start to click and. But, you know, they won the game 140 to 138 in overtime. So not exactly
1: a defensive grind. Yeah, I
0: mean, usually 99 times out of 100, if you let in 138 points, you're going to lose. Just this one time, they scored 140. That's not going to happen every game. So their defense is still a problem. Yeah, okay. Um, The offense isn't an issue. Mm. Um, So I, I probably think that for, you know, for the Cavs, they... Are up against the wall, mm. and they're probably left without a choice. They need they need to make a trade. So if anyone's going to go, I would think uh, a J R Smith is likely to get traded. Yeah. In um, Iman Shumpert, uh, yeah, they okay. have pretty pretty de- decent sized contracts, but aren't getting the production. Isaiah Thomas may dodge the bullet. Um, I think if he were to be traded, a draft pick would have to be included in order for a team to take him. Sure. But he does have an expiring contract this year. Okay. So that money would come off any other team's books, and it's it's a good audition for a team who maybe are considering signing him long term. Mm-hmm. They may get a three month rental to yeah. see whether it's worth investing in him.
1: Okay, yeah. And the the other. So he's a so so he's a I guess a good trade prospect. Then he's
0: a good trade prospect on a good contract, um, but the biggest issue with him is he's coming off an injury. And he's definitely looked a step slower okay. than what he was 12 months ago when he was in mm. the MVP talk, second-leading scorer in the league. And, um, well, basically, he's, he's a shadow of himself. Mm. He just isn't fitting that system um, that the Cavs are running. But having said that, none of those role players on that team are actually fitting the system. Yeah, They're not doing their roles of what they should be doing or what they're being paid to do. They've been pretty laxatazical.
1: So what do you think about... The Australian NBA players, is there anyone of those of that contingent anyone that could be traded?
0: Yeah, well there's a report today that the Spurs were also interested in Avery Bradley. Okay. And you'd have to think that a package centered around him probably would involve Pat Mills. Yeah, okay.
1: But the Spurs today lost Deontay Murray, the point their their starting point guard. True. Now so Paddy Mills is obviously playing backup point so guard a bit job's of two a little, as well. So a little bit more maybe safe. that changes your focus. Like I don't know, maybe it saves him, maybe it doesn't.
0: Yeah, the Utah Jazz are in a little bit of a uh, spot. They're a bit of a crossroads. They're obviously not going to win the comp, but they're sort of within reach of, of possibly making the playoffs. Sure. But someone like Smoke and Joe Ingles, who is a good shooter, yeah. um, a decent defender, so he's sure. uh, you know falls into the category of what's known as a 3 and D guy. So he, he adds value to a team. Mm-hmm. So um, he, he could definitely be a target for a trade. He, he actually recently signed a contract at the start of the year for $52 million over four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's some pretty decent coin. Yeah. Um, but that size sounds like a lot, but that, that contract is actually fairly conservative in, in the NBA at the moment. Mm-hmm. So there may be a contending team looking for a bit of extra shooting, a bit of extra depth on their bench. Yep. Um, someone like, dare I say, the Golden State Warriors, um, would would you know
1: suit the Golden State Warriors need a bit of extra shooting.
0: Yeah, well, reports are there. They're they're looking to strengthen their bench. They're not happy with their bench production.
1: Well, that's because they've got four guys that play most of
0: the minutes in Hobbs and hold <laughs> the yeah, ball. True, but uh, someone like Joe Ingalls would actually fit quite well a, a team like that. Very. well. He probably
1: well. would actually. That's true. He's you know he's probably one of the prototypical Australian athletes in the yep. sense of he's happy to do whatever it takes to win a game.
0: I think Aaron Baines' job in Boston is, is pretty safe. Oh, I would
1: think so. But they did recently add another centre, didn't they? They did, so, yeah. Like, through the free agency well, he was waived. Um, what was his name? Um, yeah, I know the guy you're talking about. But anyway, so, he, so Baines, you know, he may be on the trading block, but it's probably it sounds like it's unlikely that an Australian player is going to be traded this, this year. There this was some
0: sensitive. talk of our, our our mate Dirty Deli, Matthew Delivadova. Oh yeah, Dirty Deli. Uh, but he actually just got injured the last couple of days and he's out for a month. So. Yeah, I saw him
1: sprain his ankle quite badly.
0: Yeah, so um, if there's an injury involved, that pretty much rules any player out from being traded. I think
1: as soon as Jason Kidd got uh, got fired, I think Delivadova's job at the Bucks was safe. I think Jason Kidd was the only one that was probably unhappy with him. Yeah. I think that the franchise itself really liked him because of the way he plays the game he plays the game really hard he'll give you everything that you need and those are the sort of guys that when you when you're not going to win a championship uh, or or you're building trying to build towards one as the Milwaukee Bucks are um, with you know um, with their stars and 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 the players that they've got you know, Delavadova Dover is somebody that you want to hang on to. because yeah, he, was,
0: he, was, he was a key member of that championship team from the Cavs two years ago. Yeah,
1: I remember him getting on the Corona tins when they won. Famously that was, snapped at the Vegas Casino. Oh,
0: Everyone's drinking Cristal champagne. and Deli's on the tins. Deli's on the tins. What a legend. A, what a champ. Yeah. We, we love Deli. And double
1: parked too in the photo. I think double parked went, on Corona went cans. Went viral. Yeah.
0: Very classy.
1: Yeah, because... It's well, a good way to mix Australia versus was, the fact was, that you're rich, right? He like was only on that, a
0: couple of mil then. It was only after that that he signed his four-year, $48 million deal or something crazy like that. There was a
1: cool story going around about him when he um, when he signed his, uh, as a rookie and he was on an unguaranteed contract. and uh, So he'd come out of college, basically. He would worked his ass off. Uh, he was undrafted. He worked his ass off in uh, summer league and, and got an invite to a training camp. And then with the Bucks, and basically played his way onto the team at training camp, right? So, yep. this is a guy who really didn't have a lot of money, like quite genuinely didn't have a lot of money. Now, clearly, um, you know when you're an NBA player, there's a few opportunities for you to do to 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 take advantage of the hospitality that people provide. So. Uh, uh, before each game in, in an NBA arena, there's a, there's a media room where um, you know, journalists and everyone covering the game gathers um, and the teams will provide catering in those rooms So um, for the journalists because they want to attract them because coverage is good for them. Anyway, so Deliver and one of his other rookie teammates that year, I can't remember who it was, um, were renowned for arriving at the arena early enough so that they could go into that media room have food because they didn't have enough money to <laughs> to, to buy dinner um, before they hit their big paydays um, and cleaning out the actual media catering um, before those guys before the journalists even got there Good So on you, deli always scheming so, we love it you know I don't even know if deli even paid for those corona tins he might have if he, maybe he was just too tight to buy the crystal, he might not have had the money. So. I probably
0: would have been LeBron shout that night, I reckon.
1: Oh, I would say so. Oh, well, I'm sure the team owner probably took care of it, but Delhi still went with, nah, mate, I'll have, just have a couple of beers, thanks.
0: Well, there's one Aussie that definitely won't get traded, and that's our boy Ben Simmons. No,
1: he won't. So, so
0: he's not He's not going anywhere. But no, the Philadelphia one, 76ers aren't
1: letting him go anywhere.
0: One thing that may, he may be going, he may be going to LA as an all-star.
1: Well, this Again. is a saga that's drawn out for quite a while. So, so he was denied. He he didn't make it in terms of the fan vote. Let's go through it. He didn't make it because of the fan vote. Um, he third, fell short.
0: Third amongst guards in
1: voting okay. by the so, fans. So he was one position off. Then the coaches decided that they didn't want to select him. Now, this is the opinion that I've always had, obviously, is that the coaches have that rubbish mentality, that bullshit mentality where they say, um, no, he has to earn the right to be an All-Star, um, which is just a load of BS, but... That's what they do. Um, and and since then, there's been four injuries. Four,
0: yeah, the latest came yesterday with uh, the unicorn, the unicorn Christaps Porzingis, yeah. dunked on someone, and yeah. on his landing, he did his knee.
1: Okay, so he's out for the year. He's gone. So he won't be playing in the All-Star game in two weeks' time or, or in 10 days' time or so. Um, that opens up a position potentially for Ben Simmons. There's no one left. There's no one
0: left. It's, it's got to be him. Is that the way you want your position
1: to turn, no, your position in the All-Star game? I mean, it's, it's Mate, probably... we don't have anybody else, so if you could come along to LA, it'd be really great. You're coming anyway because he's playing He's playing in the Rising Stars game on the Saturday um, or Friday or whatever day it's on. So he'll be there. So maybe they save money on a hotel room.
0: Yeah, he'll, he'll be there, but I think his spot's earned. His team's got a winning record. Yeah, They would have been the worst team for the last seven or eight years and couldn't. Couldn't win a meat raffle in a butcher shop, the yep. Sixers. Now well, they didn't see- even try to. They deliberately no, lost. <laughs> they, they, they did. didn't even uh, buy a ticket. No, but their process worked, and the, so the results are coming now. Yeah. Um, my argument is, and, 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 and uh, I don't really understand why they say you know, they're reluctant to vote rookies, if you're good enough to put the numbers up, if you can put up stats which hardly anyone gets at that stage of the career, and your team's winning, then in my eyes, you're a freaking all-star, and you deserve to be there and cut the bullshit politics aside. Yeah. He should be there. Oh, I agree. He's earned it.
1: I agree. I, I agree with the fact that he earned it through the fact that he was the third guard in the fan vote. Mm. I mean, no one gives a shit what the coaches think. Like, no one should. Like, yeah. These guys get paid enough money. They don't need to be given the privilege of an opinion. Um, go away. Like, if the if the fans want to see a player play in the All-Star game, which clearly they do, yeah, then just pick him. Like... Like, but but I've said before, there's more to it than that, obviously. It's a business. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think like you said in an earlier episode, mate, there's a pretty big market over here in Australia that'll tune into that game if Ben Simmons gets p- selected. So, look, our fingers are crossed. We're, we're hoping for his sake that he gets a start and that he's able to play in the All-Star game as a rookie.
0: So. Yeah. So now I've, uh, I'm have i just going to check Twitter to see if I'm getting any wage bombs. Now... If you're unfamiliar with the term Woj bomb, <laughs> there's a, uh, a reporter that goes by the name of Adrian Wojnarowski, yeah. and he's an ESPN insider, and he gets all the scoops. So he's our source of information, and he basically breaks all the uh, all, all the big news in the NBA, most notably yeah. trades. And if it doesn't come from Woj, you, you shouldn't believe it. Right. So So, has he got any scoops for us? So we're just bringing up his Twitter now. And his last tweet was from four hours ago. Yeah, which would have Um, been about 2am over there. So I'm guessing he's only just waking now and he's he's checking his phone. He's working, he's having his breakfast and he's preparing himself for a big day and lots of TV appearances. Yeah. So um, before we wrap up, quick recap on the NBA of what we think is going to happen. Yes, we think the Cavs are going to make some deals. If any players involved, it's going to be... Uh, J.R. Smith, Aman Shumpert uh, are probably most likely to go, followed by Tristan Thompson and mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas. And I should say for the record that Tristan Thompson is um, dating a Kardashian who yeah, is pregnant, Chloe Khloe Kardashian, she's pregnant, lives in L.A. So the logical trade there would be a package centered around Tristan Thompson heading to the Clippers. And getting DeAndre Jordan in return, who's on the block for the Clippers. Right. But the Clippers want to draft. Well, you yeah, heard it yeah.
1: here first. The Kardashians have influence all around the world.
0: And also, too, Tristan's been playing like dog shit. And there is a thing in the NBA known as the Kardashian curse. It struck Lamar Odom pretty bad. Yeah. He well, dated a Kardashian. also, so did his drug addiction. Yes, but that not not help. But not before one of the Kardashians was uh, was Kim Kardashian was dating a player ex player by the name of Chris Humphreys. Oh, yeah. He was a lesser-known NBA player. <coughs> Pardon me. and But, you know, the curse hit him. He went he went to dog shit. Lamar really went to dog shit um, with that Kardashian curse. Same thing's happened to Tristan Thompson. <laughs> but maybe, Weak legs. No um, sex before but, games, yeah, fellas. He's had a few good games of late, but he might be on the block. Yeah. If you look at the Warriors, I don't think the Warriors are going to do much, if at all, maybe target old Smoke and Joe Ingles. Uh, mm. So it'd be good to see him on a, on a, on a team. Um, that's going to do well. But they're the, 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 the hunter. Yeah, oh, no, actually, no, okay. they're, they're the hunted. So, But but the gap's still pretty far and wide. The Rockets, and well, they're probably next in line as the second-best team. Um, They have also beaten the Warriors this year in, in regular season games. Um, if anything, they may look to add another, you know, more interior help. Okay, But they shoot more threes than anyone on, on the history of the earth. So in summary...
1: Only a week or two ago, we saw the blockbuster trade of the year so far with Blake Griffin going from the LA Clippers to the Detroit Pistons.
0: Unfortunately, I think that will be, That's the, going to be the biggest trade. I think, think that'll be the biggest trade. Yeah, okay.
1: Well, there you go. So the NBA trade deadline is approaching in a couple of hours. Um, the passion of Streety in terms of talking about the NBA is unsurpassed. You won't get anybody more passionate about it.
0: I um, want to be a wodge, a woge.
1: <laughs> so if you're listening out there, woge... We've got a little fanboy here for you. Um, I'm not sure I, I got a word in for the last 20 minutes because Switchy was ranting about the NBA and, and we love it. So. You, were,
0: you were warned, people. We did say we'd devote the last bit to it. Um, <laughs> and it's not the end. We'll, we will recap uh, the, the trade um, deadline yeah. along with some of our predictions. I know we have a few hardened NBA fans and listeners who uh, who, who like what we have to say, so mm-hmm. we'll continue to to give them what they want Yeah, um, but like I said this is a, a time for reshaping the rosters and for me it's probably my second fourth, almost favourite time of the NBA season um, I love a good trade I love to see good players or superstar players change teams I think it's good for the league and I love a bit of a shake up and a, you know, a bit of a change in the narrative
1: well, we can hardly tell because I love it I love, the, I love the passion and I love the fact that you are you so you say deeply, you know it, mate, and I think, um, I hope some of the predictions come true, I, I'd like to see a few changes, I think it'd be good, it's always a good storyline, it's always good to see what happens
0: then going into the playoffs. Yeah, and um, before we uh, leave, footy starts in four weeks. Four weeks. So our, our wow. next couple of episodes are going to be focused on our AFL and NRL previews, yep. we'll be talking about uh, the season upcoming.
1: We will. We'll try and touch base, actually, with the AFL women. Uh, we didn't get a chance to cover it tonight, but the AFL women's competition kicked off last weekend. Um, there was, again, uh, like huge crowds come in to watch the, f- the first round of, the, of that competition, um, and what they're doing there is amazing. The AFL, um, with the promotion and the support of the game, um, and they're developing the women athletes um, to, to really put on quite a, an amazing show. So... Um, we love watching that we love catching it on the weekends um, and footy is back in, in, in its entirety in can't four weeks wait straight. bring so, on the
0: footy footy
1: so four weeks you'll hear a bit more about that as well as we go through so um, enjoy the winter olympics in the next couple of days or over the next week enjoy the nba trade deadline news um, and we'll come back out here with the, uh, with the next lot of sport um, in about a week's time for episode enjoy the fashion
0: seven. enjoy the glitter enjoy the gold enjoy the metallic themed uniforms
1: And take it easy while you do.
0: All righty, peeps. We'll see you for lucky number seven.
1: See you, guys.